Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tim Renee and our good buddy Kenny. What's up with y'all? How y'all doing? Yo, what's going on y'all? How y'all feeling? Thought we lost you, Kenny. You were so slow to say what's up. <laughs> <laughs> he is a few states away, but... <laughs> no, we all still here. Hope y'all are doing good. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I was doing okay until I just realized Vlad Jr. didn't win the home run derby. Out of all that that was going on, he did not win. Can y'all believe that? And for those that don't know, I'm talking about baseball all-star. You guys know, for whatever strange reason, the MLB has the all-star game on a Tuesday and the home run derby on a Monday. It's just mind-boggling to me, but that's neither here or there. I never un- understand that either. I'm like, well, you know, they should have something like on a Sunday or maybe the actually all-star game. I think basketball kind of does that sometimes. No, basketball is always Saturday and Sunday. The game is on Sunday, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. And Friday, too. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Because I think on Friday is the rookie game or something like that. And then on Saturday is the yeah, slam oh, dunk right, yeah. and all that good stuff and the three-point shootout. And then on Sunday is the game. That's just good old American sports. You do things on the weekend, not on a Monday and a Tuesday. Well, you know, baseball just want to be different for some reason. <laughs> Ironic thing is even tennis plays on a Saturday and a Sunday. They play during the week, but the major events are usually on Saturday and Sunday. We're not talking NASCAR. I know you guys are like, what are they talking about? That was just <laughs> a complete like to the right, to the left. To the right, I don't know how you want to say it. Weekends, Renee, what did you do? Well, for most people who follow me on my social media, uh, know I'm like I'm all over the place. Uh, it's almost like I have ADD, uh, HD, or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's a uh, attention deficit disorder, high definition uh, for some of you people that don't know abbreviations. It's it's hard for me to stay in one spot too long. I've been that way my whole life, and uh, th- this past weekend is no different. Friday, I really didn't have much going on uh, as far as shows are concerned. Although I did an impromptu show on Friday night, I was able to get up uh, at one of the local clubs here in Southern California, and that was a lot of fun. And then Saturday, for some reason, a buddy called me up and uh, we did an impromptu party over at, or actually a get-together at a music festival. It was a rave down in San Bernardino area here in Southern California. Uh, a lot of bass, uh, a lot of dubstep, some some things I, I don't listen to as much, but I still like it. And Tam, you, you, you know this more than probably anybody else, but I had a lot of fun there. I had a lot of fun, and I, I was glad that I went. Uh, it was out of the norm of what I normally listen to as far as EDM music, but I had a great time. And Sunday, I spent most of the day recovering, but then I had a show Sunday night in Oxnard last night, which was actually a really good show. So needless to say... I was a little tired. And yes, I did go to work. But the story of my life, Tam, and you already know this. Yes, I know this. I didn't do much. <laughs> I tried to get you to go to the food festival thing at the racetrack. Yes, I was at the racetrack again. 
aside from that, I didn't really do much except watch some NASCAR. And I don't want to speak for Kenny, but I already know what Kenny did because he was working and his whole weekend pretty much consisted of NASCAR. Am I right or wrong? Or? You're right. For the most part, most of my weekend was NASCAR for sure. Okay. <laughs> I did take some time out, though. I went I went out to K1 Speed, which is a go-karting place out in um, Concord, North Carolina. Not too far from where I'm at, obviously. But uh had some fun there, actually. I had a had a really good time. I won a race, which was pretty cool. Yay! This is exactly why. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So this is exactly why I can't wait for those t-shirts to drop out so I can be wearing some all turns, no break swag while I'm out there racing. So I can yeah, tell people you go, more Kenny. about the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get a dub in that. Okay. <laughs> you guys want to know what Kenny's alluding to? Been working in the lab to, well, it's been in the work since last year. But I couldn't quite get any designer to develop my ideal correctly. But I finally got it done and got a few mocks going up. So hopefully there'll be some all turns, no brace swag in the next week or so. So hold on. It's actually really nice. I posted just a kind of sneak peek of it on Twitter. A lot of people were interested. I actually had a person say they would buy a t-shirt. I said, that's music to my ears. So hopefully we'll get that out. We'll do some giveaways and all that great stuff as well. Okay, let's jump into some NASCAR talk. I feel like I'm nascar out because this weekend between the rain delays and Twitter people, fans upset about everything. I don't know if they were just upset about who won more so than how it all played out. As Dell Jr. said, he never wants to hear the words, and I'm paraphrasing, but what was it, lightning hold? Because we were in a lightning hold, then it rained. It was just so much going on. Needless to say, I'm going to jump into the top 10 at Daytona for the Coca-Cola. Wait, what is it? The Coke Zero Sugar-Free Coke something? Zero, Coke Zero Sugar. Yeah. How does that sound? Coke Zero Sugar. Oh, Zero Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> That still sounds funny. Yeah, because you shouldn't have the word sugar with Coke, but Coke is sugar. Okay, needless to say, top 10 from our last ever, at least for now, July race at Daytona. Justin Haley was your winner. And for those who are saying, who's that? I'm assuming you don't watch Xfinity. But even if you do, you're probably like, who's that? William Byron had his best ever finish. He came in second. Jimmy Johnson quietly came in third. And that's only because everybody else in the top 10 is like, who that be? Ryan Newman came in fifth. And I skipped fourth, sorry. Ty Dillon came in fourth. Ryan Newman, fifth. Corey LaJoy, sixth. Eric Amarola, seventh. Matt DiBenedetto, eighth. Matt Tipp, ninth. And Kurt Busch came in tenth. Notables, Landon Castle was in 11th, J.J. Yeely in 12th, and Michael McDowell in 13th. We know the drill at Super Speedways. It's really everybody's a notable because it seems as if the people who usually run in the back of the pack usually get a top 10, top 20 finish at a Super Speedway just because. Now, let's just go straight into all the controversy that we alluded to. NASCAR called the race. People were upset because they felt as if we should have waited out the rain, they should have dried off the track, and got the race started to run the last few laps. 
Then there was other controversy as to Kurt Busch not staying out because NASCAR called one thing, but then they called another and he got caught going to pit roll. And the story goes, Justin Haley ended up winning because he was out when NASCAR called the race and he was in first place. Even he admitted in the press conference that if they would have went back to green, there's no way he would have won because, of course, all the other drivers, William Byron, Jimmy Johnson, would have ran him down because he's not in equipment that is fast like the Hendrick cars and the rest of the big dogs in NASCAR. Kenny, I'm going to let you jump into it because it was so much going on. I got so many polls to read. I'm going to let you... And Renee talked for a little bit. I'm going to catch my breath before I jump full force into reading all these comments and all the rest of the madness that happened. So, Kenny, what say you? And then, Renee, you jump in. Yeah, I thought um, Sunday. (laughs) I was getting ready to say Saturday, but Sunday was probably one of the wildest July races in Daytona that I can personally remember. Last year was pretty crazy, but I think this year definitely topped it. You add in the fact that you have teams that are running for it when they realize that rain is in the area or it's nearby or could shift at any moment. Because when you look at the the radar, well, when you looked at the radar during Sunday, it looked as if we had started that race at that time, we would have barely got through stage one based on the first radar I saw at about maybe about noon or so before they got things going. And then that weather seemed to have hold, held off for longer than what is expected. We got, what, 127 laps on the board out of 160. We got way more than I expected us to get. I thought this thing was going to be done for by at least 2 o'clock, and we would have been waiting for prime time. That's what That was my thought process. Yeah, I thought, I thought so that's too. what was going to happen. But the rain held off. I'm looking at the sky more than I'm looking at the cars. <laughs> trying to figure out whether it's going to rain or not. And it seemed that they had a pretty good window and they worked through that window, got through stage one and almost got into stage three. But once they got into it, that was a wrap. Overall, I thought we got a really, really good race. You had guys mixing it up all over the place. Guys you never would have thought would make it to the front. But again, this package at super speedways has literally been the reason why we've had this type of racing. Plus, not even to add, it was really hot. As cool as it would have been on Saturday night, the heat amplifies this race. Daytime racing is always better than nighttime racing as it is anyway, at most places, especially places like Daytona. Less grip. Guys are moving all over the place. You can't pick one lane. They were two and three wide most of the time. So despite it being ended early, which can be a judgment call. I thought it was I thought it was pretty entertaining. What about you, Renee? I always DVR the races, especially when I don't get to watch them, regardless of what uh, the circumstances are, whether I get to watch it in real time or not. Well, first of all, I thought this, this race was going to be over at least around 2 o'clock, at least somewhere around there. And, you know, and sometimes it's hard to judge by watching it on TV what the weather really looks like as compared to somebody that's actually there. Whether it's uh, somebody in the pit crew, the driver, or are just a regular fan in the stands, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, those people are there and they can see exactly what the weather really, really looks like, and they have a better judgment whether they can tell if that race is going to continue or not. But after I watched the entire thing, and I thought it was pretty entertaining. Those guys, they were going at it, the two and and, and three wide, uh, you know, for most of the the race. You were right about that as well, and 
these are guys that were just trying to race and uh, somebody's trying to win, just like they are in every single race. And who in the hell picked Haley to win? I'd like to know the Vegas odds on that one, first and foremost. <laughs> I don't know if anybody uh, bet on that kid, but man, geez, somebody made a lot of money if they did. That was did. perfect time. The odds were 500 to 1. And I think when it Ooh. comes to like people like him, I think they group it into like people where the odds are higher. I'm not 100% sure, but I do know the odds were 500 to 1. Yeah. I think he's a one race hitter and quitter, at least for now. <laughs> because he's not in he's not even a full-time cup driver. This is his last cup race of the season. There's no telling when he's going to get back in a cup car. So he's a one race hitter and quitter. Kenny, actually, yeah, did I've, you read that article on NASCAR where they had all the one-hit wonders? The one-and-done, yeah, the one-hit wonders type thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting looking through that list uh, so far, especially thinking about the active guys. Not going to go, I wouldn't go so hard on Alex Bowman, obviously. That just happened uh, two weeks ago. Eric Jones last year in Daytona, he won Chris Buescher back in that famous race where there happened to be a lot of fog in Pocono yeah. in 2016. And Paul Menard, who hasn't won since 2011 in Cup in the most probably one of the most surprising wins at Indianapolis. But there's been plenty of guys who have went through the through NASCAR, got their one win, and that was it. Just since we're talking on Daytona, Trevor Bain, for example, won the Daytona 500 in 2011. And after that, you know, it just kind of went – everything basically kind of went downhill from there is what it looks like to me. But I think these things happen. Of course, Justin Haley got his win. He's He is running full-time in the Xfinity Series, which he actually came home in second place on Friday night, and he pushed his teammate Ross Chastain to a win, which was pretty cool. And I remember his interview on Friday, he was like, yeah, you know, I was looking for the team. I'm doing this for the team. I'm going to help him out. If I can help my teammate out, I'll do anything for this team. And well, he definitely reaped the benefits on Sunday afternoon and got himself a win. I know to a lot of people, aren't too happy about that for a lot of reasons. I get it. But I should say, let that kid win. He's 20 years old. I don't know if that'll necessarily ever happen for him in a cup career, but 20 years old to get a win like that still, I'd be happy as hell too. And he didn't gloat like he had the best car out there either. He just hugged his family, dapped everybody up. They had their interviews and that was really it. So I can't rank on the kid. He knows in his heart, he's a one hit wonder, one one race wonder. I hate to be like that, but AJ Armadinger is also a one race winner. Now, in AJ's defense, he's won in other series. So, you know, people think AJ is this great racer, but he's only won one cup race. And Casey Mears, I think you mentioned Trevor Bain. There are a few people yeah, that I, are one hitters. And I mean, even with AJ, he, he, he's a great driver outside of anything that's not named a stock car. That's where he probably would have had a much, much longer career, in my opinion, and to a lot of race fans as well. I think he was done for the sports car world or the open wheel world with champ car slash Indy car. That's where his bread and butter was. And I think if he had spent more of his prime there, we probably would be looking at him differently. He may have won more races than IMSA or an Indy car for that matter. I just think he spent his prime there. Well, the dollars damn sure makes sense in cup rather than it does in anything else. So I can't blame him for it. Well, you mentioned IndyCar. There's a famous person. So AJ is actually in good company, but there's one famous driver who's considered by many to be the greatest driver of all, who's a one 
one race hitter and quitter in NASCAR Cup. You know who it is? Mr. Andretti. Of course. You know, I know you knew. That's why I asked. But yeah, Mario Andretti, (laughs) he only won one race in Cup too. But I could never compare AJ to Mario Andretti. No, not at all. (laughs) At all. Getting back to Daytona, the one thing we didn't mention that was a huge topic was Austin Dillon's move that caused the big one and Clint Boyer's comments about his move. I don't know. Was A I almost said was AJ wrong, but you guys know I meant to say <laughs> was Austin wrong. We actually had a poll today. We actually had a poll during our Twitter chat. And if you don't know, get with the Twitter chat. It happens most Mondays. Well we just kind of started it back up, but it's Mondays, usually at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at our user is at turns, no breaks. So we posed this question. It was actually our first question of the day. Austin Dillon made a bold move that caused the big one. Was it just racing or a bad move? Why? Question mark. Thoughts? Question mark. Hashtag NASCAR talk. 42% said just racing. 41% said bad move. 17% said, what was he thinking? Question mark. Just a few comments really quick. Kobe Lambeth, his user is K-O-B-E-L-A-M-B-E-T-H. He weighed in and said, just typical super speedway racing. You'll often see some bad blocks causing multiple car crashes. Plus, they were racing harder because we didn't know when Mother Nature would interfere. Hashtag NASCAR. Let's see. What else? And I'm just going to pick one other one at random. Friend to the show, Graydon Bun Never runs out of stuff to say. We appreciate you if you're listening, Graydon. He says, I'm not an AD3 as an Austin Dillon number three fan. But I believe him when he said the car got out from under him. And he had to go left to catch it. They're so, and he put so in all caps, there's so much dirty air flying around. Just a product of the racing. Hashtag NASCAR talk. And one last one, because, you know, we we read the good and the bad on this podcast. Bandit, his user is turn left underscore go fast. Clearly, he likes racing. He says, He's not a top-level driver in his show. Ouch. And that was exactly our response on Twitter. <laughs> Renee, do you think Austin Dillon made a bold move or he really just caused the accident? It was a bad move. So was it either a bold or a bad move? What was the percentage again of the people that did not like the move? People are still voting because now it's tied. 41% said just racing. And 41% said bad move. Yep. Okay. 18% said, what was he thinking? 18% said, what was he thinking? Yep. (laughs) I kind of want to agree with the people of what was he thinking, to be honest with you. Because for a split second, and you watch it and you go, because clearly Boyer sees an opening around him at the bottom that he's going to take, obviously. And you just see... The number three just go right in there to try to block him. And I understand that you're trying to just do a move of trying to keep your position. The way I saw it, uh, it clearly looked like Clint 
had a good move there where he could have just easily taken the inside. And Dylan could have just easily just let him get there and try to hold his position without screwing it up for everybody. But he did make a bold move, but he, it cost a whole lot of people and a good race and, and good racers and drivers the rest of the race and a chance to win. I, I clearly looking at that going, what was he thinking? Like, why would, why would you do that there? Like, why would you do that? And I, I mean, it's frustrating just watching it. I can imagine it's frustrating as fans. I can imagine it's frustrating for all uh, the fans of the drivers who uh, ended up wrecking out. It is unfortunate, but it is part of racing. But these are moves that you go, okay, that's not just racing. That's just really a stupid move. And I believe Clint Boyer even said that later. Like, they were just stupid. And I mean, like, what was that? Like, what, what are you doing there? I can understand how the poll is kind of like the way it is right now, especially with it being tied where it is now, but I think I'm part of that small percentage of what the hell was he thinking? Well, I think, Kenny, and you can answer both questions, but my second question is, I believe, Austin, the car just got from him. Didn't he say something about that or no? He mentioned the car got a little up under him when that move happened. It was a very, very bold move. It, it's crazy the way that that even panned out. And again, this goes back on what happens at a lot of plate races over, well, not plate races, at super speedway races. I think you used to saying that. Yeah, don't you hate it? Because right. you still want to say plate racing, but technically at this point, it's just super speedway racing. Right. I'm so used to saying that. It's just like the chase in the playoffs. However, <laughs> um, the move was bold and the manufacturers really take this race seriously. You notice how Chevy will work with Chevy, Ford will work with Ford. Toyota kind of depends because they have a the smallest dog in that battle. I think there's only like six Toyotas out there or however many it is. It's not a lot. It's not anywhere near the Fords or Chevys. There's plenty of those all around them. And it, like a lot of people had noted, it seemed like that Ford was not going to let, that Ford of Clint Boyer was not going to let Austin Dillon pass. And when he made that move, the problem with that move is once you make that type of move, a lot of that dirty air gets right under that car. And once that happens, you have little to a few seconds just to even correct that. But at those speeds, it's very hard to even get a control of your car. So once you make a move like that, you have to stick with it. Because if not, it's going to cause exactly what it did. It took a ton of good cars out, unfortunately. And it kind of sucked because that's what finished everything for the day. We finished with that crazy crash, a unpredictable moment with Kurt Busch hitting pit road because of an issue seeing the lights on the pace car. And he went down. And then they said, nope, that's not it. That's a done deal. We're bringing him down. Justin Haley was your leader. I thought there was something wrong with my with my timing and scoring. Because on cautions, timing and scoring flips up, down, left and right, and sideways, all that, all the time. It doesn't really catch back up until the cars are back around and all in order. And I thought Justin Haley was like not supposed to be there, but apparently he was because of what Kurt Busch did. I'm like, what? And then here we go. We got ourselves a 20-year-old winner from Indiana. Pretty crazy. I'll just add this. I thought regardless of what NASCAR said and called, I thought that it was weird for Kurt to go in personally. A lot of people have said that. Yeah. We could all see it was weather near. You got to stay out and take your chances. Yep. And that's exactly so what they when did. When he came in, I didn't. I was like, why is he coming in? That was even before all the controversy. My first thought was, why would he go in? Just stay out. 
however you want to call it. People want to blame it on NASCAR. You can't really blame it on anybody because it was a perfect storm. You had yeah, weather. Yeah, right time, perfect place. Yep. You had weather. You had a crew chief's call. You had everything. I don't know. Personally, though, I would have stayed out, but that's just me. It'll be forgotten before you know it anyway. That <laughs> win will be forgotten. No, like, seriously. People were It's upset. just like Almarola when he won. Same thing happened to him. He won, what, four or five years ago at Daytona? Nobody hollered. David Ruderman in 2008 won the Coke 600 at Charlotte under rain. I didn't know if people were infuriated then because I didn't really have a Twitter in 08. I got on Twitter in 2010, but I don't know. I guess people, again, are mad on the behalf that this team is based on the agency. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother conversation about them being in the player management, but filled in a car and all that stuff. I actually saw someone tweet saying something, but they were being sarcastic, like, oh, what alliance are they a part of type thing? That's a whole (laughs) nother conversation in itself. I don't even know if we should dive into that conversation. It's just a real, real simple thing. I guess, again, when we get into the involvement of sticking ball sports compared to what we have a niche which is motorsports itself where the rules are so skewed and jacked compared to other sports like this would have never happened that team wouldn't exist in the nba it's just like with rock nation and jay-z jay-z had a share with the brooklyn nets nba said nah you're gonna have to sell your share or rock nation's gonna have to go he sold that share with a swiftness obviously and he still got rock nation going but again it, in the sense of that is where people say it's unethical, this, that, and the third. I, I totally understand where people are coming from. But inspired doing anything wrong, it's all within the current charter system and the current rules of NASCAR. They're bending those rules. They're making their money off it. I totally understand that. I get it. I get why people are so upset in that regard. But as for Justin Haley, excuse my French, but he didn't do shit. He didn't. He just drove the car. That is all he did was drive the car, do his thing, and what happened is what happened, and it probably won't ever happen again. Or if it does, it'll be a long, long time until we see something like that happen again. So don't hate the players, too. Hate the game, for real. Like I said, it was a perfect storm. We also posted a question that said fans were U-P-S-E-T, upset, when NASCAR called the race instead of waiting out the rain. Did NASCAR make the right call, ending the race early? Hashtag NASCAR talk. 49% said sure did. 29% said hell no. And 22% said NASCAR dot dot dot. (laughs) It's one of those things. Lightning was near. Then it started pouring down raining. It was a perfect storm. Literally. Okay. (laughs) Let's move on. What else is going on? Oh, Steve Phelps. He has some stuff to say as always. Yeah, got a ton of reaction out of that one. He had a state of NASCAR meeting on Friday afternoon or Friday afternoon before everything got started or Thursday, excuse me. And people were very, very unhappy from the quotes that they got from that. They, I guess because of what he said on the Dale Jr. download, especially in regards to the schedule where it seemed like he was full on for the schedule to have massive wholesale changes. Which, in my opinion, I didn't think that was going to even be possible because right now, if you look at the current climate of where they're at, none of that can't be done until you have complete control over both SMI and ISC. You have to have all of those assets 
in order to move any date. Because if they move a date now and you get into the issue of being sued by those tracks because you pull a date from them, but they're contracted, et cetera, et cetera, even though the contracts are getting ready to end, that will be the biggest issue and the biggest hurdle that they would have when it comes to making a new schedule and or adding or getting rid of tracks, which I always kind of think about because there's only a few tracks I think NASCAR fans, at least from what I hear or read on Twitter, really want, such as a Road America, a Road Atlanta, Mid-Ohio. I've heard some people say that. Iowa. It's just four tracks I keep hearing about. I don't hear about anything else. I don't know where else you could take them, where else necessarily fits with television, travel, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what fits, but I guess the other underlying thing that people got ramped up about, and I totally understand because it wasn't really fully explained, was the electrification. Yeah. Soon as you bring those words into a NASCAR fan's mind, for some odd reason, that's where you that's where you blow a fuse right then and there. Everyone flipped out. I remember looking at a lot of reactions when they saw that. But the thing is, this isn't going to turn into Formula E. That's not what that means whatsoever. It's just like right now, McLaren, for example is the same people who are working on a lot of the electronics in the cars now. That's why you see them at track. Plus, we've got the digital dash. We've got an electronic fuel injection, which took a long time. And it should have took that long to get to that, but got there. This is probably going to mean some of the parts may have some type of electrification. Just an example, like an ERS system, just how Formula One has it. It's just an example of it. Or the cars may cut off. Let's say they get under caution. Let's say they can cut the cars off just like some car- street cars do. They'll cut off when you stop. Stuff like that is what's going to happen. I don't expect it to be full on. We lose everything. We lose our sound. We lose the element that brings NASCAR fans to the track for one. That's not what that means. So it's kind of like you have to take everything from these meetings and what you hear with a grain of salt. Just the same thing with the Gen 7 package. They want it to look more like a streetcar. Everybody does. I totally get that. A race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Still applied. But it's going to be interesting to see how things develop over the next I'll say two and a half years to see where exactly they'll go and how far they'll go. Cause we don't know yet. We don't know if another manufacturer will come along like Hyundai, who has been talking about that. We don't know, but that 500 horsepower, 560 horsepower, that right there is what will draw somebody to come in versus 700 plus and a push ride V8. And that's just kind of that. That's what I took from it at least. Like you made one point and it's true. I think he needs to be a little bit clearer when he's talking about electric vehicles, because in most people's mindset, they're thinking like, what? You know, kind of like Formula E as opposed to not really understanding exactly what's happening. But I don't know. Dale Jr., look, let's bring it back up to a a happier note. (laughs) (laughs) Renee's boy, Dale Jr., well, I guess he didn't really make headlines, But actually, I do want to say something randomly. For those who haven't caught the Dale Jr. download with him and his sister Kelly when they had um, Haley Deegan on, that was actually a really great episode. I, you know, we don't really, I feel like Kelly Earnhardt doesn't necessarily always get the respect and the props that she deserves. Not that people disrespect her, but I feel like we should say her name a little bit more in the industry because she low key has paved the way for a lot of things in fact that Dell Jr. has done. I remember reading an article on USA Today that was pretty much 
a summary of a conversation she had with Dale, but they've been each other's ride and die because people don't really understand the history of Dale Earnhardt and Kelly and as it relates to their mom and their dad and how when their mom's house had burned down when they were, I believe, six and eight, and they had to go live with their dad, but their dad was always on the road. And I think they said that they had been at 12 schools within 13 years. Like people think like, oh, his dad was Dale Earnhardt Sr. He had a great life. Not that they didn't have a great life because they said that they were always provided for, but they pretty much were low key raising themselves because they had nannies and all kind of stuff. And at one point, people know that Dale Jr. went to military school but what they don't know is Kelly followed him to military school because she didn't want him to be by herself that was yeah. not why I brought up Dell Jr. but I just kind of wanted to share that because I thought that was a good little story give some insight and on top of that I think what people don't understand either Tam when you have children in that kind of situation like Dell and his sister where they have to basically raise each other and help raise each other you know because I've always felt like me and my brother kind of went through that even as we were kids. But specifically talking about Dell and his sister, what they don't understand and people who actually sit there and go, yeah, well, they, they had a lot of money and they were provided for. Well, providing and financially, that that doesn't give you what the, the necessities, what you need in life as a child, you, you know, like uh, parental guidance, uh, fatherly advice, uh, motherly advice, uh, things that you need to know uh, that most parents or that children rely on their parents uh, for especially when it comes to uh, guiding them through through uh, life uh, as, as children. And Dale Sr. being so busy and then all the other things, you know, that's tough to come by. And I think you're right, Tam. I think she deserves a lot uh, more credit than, than she does. I think we do need to say her name a lot more just because of, of all the things that, you know, they both had to uh, uh, go through and uh, and have been through themselves in general. And for those of you, you guys, and especially our listeners who haven't listened to Dale Jr.'s podcast, it is absolutely amazing. I uh, I love it. And this leads to the point of the Twitter that Jeff Gluck put out on Twitter. And it was something where he was trying to go, okay, I'm not going to try to be a kiss ass here. I don't. That's why I'm not even trying to tag him. But he just kind of went on this little rant of, and not even a rant, but he just made a little statement of just saying how basically lucky we all were to have Dale Jr. in the booth because of his character and the way he is and the way that he calls the race, his knowledge, everything about the way Dale Jr. is in the booth is what NASCAR, I don't know necessarily needed, but it certainly helped. That's for sure, because you got still probably the most popular driver, and he's not even racing anymore, and the most popular guy that people are listening to in the sport still. You put that together with the other guys that you have in the booth, and it was amazing to see the response that that tweet got. And Jeff got a lot of awesome responses from that. And it was just amazing to read all of them. And the only thing that I could get out of all of the tweets, that, and I read a lot of them, and the common denominator was that everybody was just saying how awesome he was because of the flow that he gave in the booth with the other guys, the chemistry. And remember, we talked about this, I think, last week, about how he was so nervous about coming into the booth because he, he didn't know if he had chemistry. He didn't want to step on anybody's toes. But now that he understands it, we are really honestly getting, uh, and, and not just us, but the, the, the fans and, uh, that are watching it on TV, 
they're really getting very nice, colorful view from Dale in the booth. And it's amazing how they thought uh, Jeff Burton and Dale Jr. would make a, a better team than anybody else in that booth. Although there were some people who said that Gordon and Dale Jr. did have something that was really awesome there. But I don't know if Gordon and Dale Jr. actually uh, make it better other than, like, I would say Jeff Burton and Dale Jr. would. Well, let me just put something to bed right now. Dale Jr. is a way better analyst than Jeff Gordon, period, end of discussion. Kenny, I don't know if you agree, but there's no comparison to me. I enjoy Dale more than I do Jeff Gordon on, on Fox personally. I just feel like what Dale adds to that, I think him, Latart, Rick Allen, and Jeff Burton have a really good chemistry, even though it's only been two years. They really have gotten that down packed, I feel like. I feel like a lot of time in the offseason, they've spent time with each other, which definitely helps. And just from a younger broadcaster's perspective, when I used to broadcast at Tuskegee, I got better when I worked with my mentee a ton because we did baseball game after baseball game after baseball game. So once you get that repetition down, because I felt like he was a little timid the first couple races last year, but then as the season continued, minus Chicagoland, the first one, but as the season continued, it got better and better. It just kept getting better. And I think he's going to continue to get better and continue to be a better professional, but he just really makes it fun. I just love the energy. I know some people say he yells sometimes, but... Yeah, there were a few people that did say that, Kenny, so you're right. Yeah. But it's yeah, excitement. He it's some not of that yelling. Like, it's oh, it's more totally excitement. excitement. It's, the, it's the passion that you hear from him. Absolutely. And I think that's what is needed in a broadcast. It doesn't necessarily have to be so black and white and just straightforward. Having a guy like that just adds to it. I even think Rick Allen as well has gotten better this year so far. I think he's made some better calls. But that whole group, NBC, I think they've got that going on pretty well. It's it's fun. It is real fun. They definitely make they definitely made Daytona even more fun than what it was for sure. Indeed. From one popular driver to another all turns no breaks poll. <laughs> Y'all like that transition. But when I read this <laughs> question that we posed to NASCAR fans on Twitter, you'll understand the transition. Matthew Dillner, who actually works for Dirty Mo, as in Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo Media, he's a producer of the Dale Jr. download. He tweeted and said, quote, opinion. How Bubba Wallace isn't the most popular driver in NASCAR puzzle me, puzzles me, just saying. And of course, we had to jump in. Bubba jumped in and had some comments, but we're not going to tell you what Bubba said. Go to his Twitter account and read it for yourself. But what we will tell you is what we asked as a follow-up to Matthew's question, and I will read a few of the fan comments. Matthew, he says, quote, opinion, all in caps. How Bubba Wallace isn't the most popular driver in NASCAR puzzles me, just saying, unquote. We added to that tweet and said, it made us wonder, as in his question, made us wonder which young driver would be most popular driver if Chase Elliott wasn't in the contest. Who you voting for? Why? Question mark. Hashtag NASCAR talk. The options were Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace, and another driver. 39% voted Ryan Blaney. 2% voted 
for Daniel Suarez. 50% voted for Bubba Wallace and 9% voted for another driver. Just going to pick, let's see. I won't pick any comments at random. Actually, I will. This one says Blaney slash Bubba Wallace hashtag 2020. If you don't get that, that's a reference to the election. And Captain Coolio, he chimed in and said, y'all are kidding yourself if you think it is anyone other than Blaney. The ironic thing is I'm glad Bubba was winning because he was tagged in this tweet. So it wouldn't be right if he wasn't winning. (laughs) There were some other good comments, but it's only right that Bubba would be the most popular driver. The problem with Bubba, unfortunately, is that he's just in bad equipment and he's never going to win unless it's a fluke race like Daytona until he's in better equipment. I think that's the main thing. I think that is the main answer to that question. I agree with that. Yeah. Here was the one comment I did want to read. Ed Moron, and I don't know if that's really his last name or is that just something being funny? (laughs) His user is Ed Moron1964. He chimed in and said, because the 43 team is the best mid-pack, if Wallace had a chance, any place besides short tracks and plate tracks, and he put plate tracks in quotes, he'd get more attention and popularity. So that's basically saying that his only chance to win is at plate tracks. And let's get this party started. I think we talked about everything that was going on in NASCAR. We talked about Austin Dillon, his bad move or interesting move, for lack of a better term. We talked about Boyer's comments about that move. We talked about the lightning hold decision. Steve Phelps' comments on the future of NASCAR, Dale Jr. I don't know what else can we talk about except <laughs> the fan. You guys, I really wanted to uh, say something as, as far as uh, the Dale Jr. thing in the booth. There was one tweet that I, I remembered that I saved because I thought it was the best one that I had read. And like I said, I read a whole bunch of them. But this one just stood out in my mind because I think this this represents... Not just most people that are out there, not just Dale Jr. fans, and I mean just NASCAR fans in general, but I also think that it represents something that we usually try to do here on All Turns No Breaks, me, you, Kenny, and even when we used to do the podcast, Tam, uh, with Daryl before. But one of the tweets, I'll, and I'll read it real quick. Hang on a second. I, I had it real quick. Give me just two seconds. Tell the best. Where is it? Da, 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 da. Okay. So uh, this, uh, this tweeter... <laughs> His name is Jim Yanello, and he goes by at Jim Yanello. Uh, that's his Twitter handle. His tweet was in response to Jeff Gluck. He said, that's why I like watching Dale. It's like he's sitting around the TV with a beer in his hand watching the race with us. It's a whole new level, and I hope he does this for years to come. This guy couldn't have said it better than that. That was just pure 100 because that's exactly what I feel when I'm listening to Dale call the races. It, it is like he's there with you. Like we're, we're all together and we're all just shouting opinions and all of our voices start raising when we get excited. I didn't mean to go back to that, but I really wanted to uh, uh, mention that because I thought that tweet was just out of the, all the tweets that I read in response to Jeff Gluck's or- original tweet. That was the best one that I read. Well, I think that tweeter, as you so eloquently called him, he summed up how everybody feels. And he pretty much, (laughs) Dale is like hanging out, having a beer. It's like everybody wants to hang out with Clint Boyer. 
and everybody wants to listen to Dell Jr. I don't know. There you go. Let's wrap up this podcast with some predictions. We're headed to Kentucky. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Renee, who you got to win Kentucky? Oh boy. All right. Here we go, Kentucky. Uh now, obviously none of my picks from last week <laughs> showed up. But not that they didn't show up, but they stuck uh, one of them didn't even finish. Regardless of who I picked last week, I'm gonna go back to what I said last week. I'm gonna go back and pick him again. But this time I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott as my winner. And I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin as being my alternative pick. I make, and I know this is a kind of a, a bold prediction, but I like Chase Elliott in Kentucky this weekend. He is my winner. He's, he'll be in victory lane this weekend. And if there's an alternative pick, don't be surprised if Denny Hamlin, the number 11, ends up in victory lane. Okay, Kenny, who you got? All right, we're headed to the Bluegrass State at Kentucky this weekend. Another Saturday night race. Haven't been going here too long, but... um. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with a Gibbs car, and I'm gonna go with Kyle Busch, who hasn't won there quite some time. And then for my alternative pick, I'm gonna go with Brad Keselowski, who has a pretty famous win at Kentucky, as a matter of fact, when he ran out of gas and somehow, some way, made it around on that last lap. So those are my picks. Now you still got to do a short history lesson. <laughs> yes, it's a short history lesson because. We've only been racing in the Cup Series at Kentucky since 2011. Ironically, though, we've been racing at Kentucky as in the Xfinity Series since 2001. And like you said, it is a short history because we've had eight Cup races at Kentucky and we've only had four winners out of those eight races. Brad Keselowski's won three races. Kyle Busch has won two. And... Truex Jr.'s won two races, and Matt Kenseth, the Quiet Assassin, won one race. Kyle Busch won in 2011, Brad Keselowski 2012, Matt Kenseth 2013, Brad Kay in 2014, Kyle Busch 2015, 2016, Brad Kay 2017, and 2018, Martin Truex Jr. I am actually going to pick Brad Kozlowski as my winner because he talked so much crap this weekend. We didn't even talk about that earlier and there's no need to get into it now because once this podcast is posted, it'll kind of somewhat be old news, but he talked all that crap and wrecked William Byron, whether some people said that it was what it was. I don't really know how to interpret it, but he wrecked him in practice, dude. I think he needs to back up all that. Plus, him and his wife actually revealed the sex of their baby, baby number two, which is going to be a girl. So I think he may be feeling himself. So I'm going to pick Brad (laughs) Kay as my winner. And I'm going with Kyle Busch as my alternative because I feel like KB, as in Kyle Busch, has been a little bit quiet lately. So time to ratchet it up with a win. (laughs) <laughs> so those are my picks. All right. Well, those are our picks. What say you, fans of all turns, no breaks, and fans of NASCAR in general? If you have picks, hit us up on our uh, on our social media, just like Tam always says, across the board, at turns, no breaks. Basically, in a nutshell, guys, so we always appreciate you guys listening to all turns, no breaks. Please uh, don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a comment. That really, really does help our podcast out. 
and we really love to hear your personal feedback. For Kitty, myself, and Tam, we always appreciate your support. And we will see you next week on another episode of All Turns No Brains. See y'all. USA, we the champs. Four times. Shout out to the ladies. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 